Hello and welcome to The Foundation, a Parks People podcast, presented by the National Association of Park Foundations. And now, your host and executive director of the National Association of Park Foundations, Kevin Korenthal. Welcome back to The Foundation, a Parks People podcast. I'm Kevin Korenthal, the host of The Foundation. Always a pleasure to be joining you and having you join us here on the podcast. As you know, the National Association of Park Foundations is the only nonprofit organization only dedicated to uh, the creation and the strengthening of park foundations around the United States. I'm really excited about my guest on the show today. Um, He's someone uh, that has uh, been a, a, a big part of the park and rec community and has uh, inspired uh, a lot of new work in the area of accessibility. And we're just very happy to be introducing Sam Mendelson, the president and CEO of Greenfields Outdoor Fitness on the show today. Now, Sam, I always like to begin at the beginning and the beginning began when Greenfields came to fruition. Can you tell us a story of that? First of all, thank you for having me. I have a lot to share and uh, we'll go through uh... A brief uh, uh, trip down memory lane. So we started in 2007. Um, the history of uh, outdoor fitness equipment, uh, just briefly, uh, basically, basically it started long, long time ago. And and uh, some of the uh, older generation probably remember the wooden structures and some steel product out there in, in, in different parks or on a beach that were basically were uh, an offshoot of the military products. Um, Back in the 60s, President Kennedy uh, saw it fit to um, promote fitness within the high schools. There are famous uh, video clips out there showing the high school kids uh, using uh, very extreme workouts that today will be what you see in CrossFit and and boot camp, uh, basically preparing the high schoolers for military uh, service uh, because we were under... Uh, uh, very strenuous times concerning the uh, communism and everything else that took place in the 60s. So preparing the uh, population to be fit was uh, very important. Um, Going forward a little bit, um, what we had at the time was basically static equipment. It was not accessible. It was not inclusive. It was designated for those who are extremely fit. And uh, fast forward uh, to the 21st century, we became very sedentary. Life uh, uh, is very comfortable. We have uh, portable devices for everything. We don't have to go to a grocery store anymore. We order it online and you have something delivered to your house within an hour or two. Um, So that basically increased the need for movement. And when it comes to the entire community, you have to think about it from that perspective that the demographics has changed as well. Um, people live longer, and uh, the aging population is actually a very comfortable life and a life in great facilities, and they need to be moving as well. Uh, we have a whole category that addresses to fall prevention when it comes to the uh, elderly, but that's a different topic. But uh, back in the uh, early uh, 2000s, uh, there was a movement to try and bring into uh, North America uh, some of the fittest equipment that is uh, found all over Asia. Uh, those are mostly uh, body leverage systems, allowing people to uh, have low impact activities by, you know, moving and and uh, some uh, uh, resistance training. 
But the problem with the uh, equipment that was brought at the time from um, from Asia, this it did not fit the physical dimensions of the North American user. Let's put it this way, uh, and. Um, we had to account for multiple things. Uh, one is that uh, we're bigger, and uh, we also need to consider the fact that uh, we do recognize the fact we have vandalism in certain open spaces. So the units had to be designed to fit the uh, North American market, and that's what we did. And uh, we started, as I mentioned, in 2007, and uh, at the beginning, we had uh, basic items uh, that use both the... Uh, uh, units with low resistance to allow mobility and, and exciting uh, activities in open spaces, and also some of the units that uh, offer resistance, low-impact activities. At the same time, we still had the traditional pull-up bar and parallel bar that you find in places and so forth. But at the time, architects and designers had a, a vision to motivate the community to move and walk and use the trails by having single stations along a trail that... Um, in retrospect, was uh, it, it did not work. And the reasons are very, very simple. Uh, active users such as runners and, and hikers and, and uh, cyclists are not going to stop at every station to exercise. And if you think about seniors, uh, seniors um, traveling groups, and they cannot do pull-ups anymore. So having stations along the trail did not serve that purpose. Uh, think about a woman going by herself and the guy is using it, she will not stop and wait for this gentleman to finish. she just keep on walking. So uh, at that time, we partnered with uh, various foundations to bring what was available at the time to, to um, various communities. Uh, mind you that back then, uh, we did not have the accessible units yet. Uh, we released those uh, in 2012. And the moment... The park directors, uh, commissioners, politicians, seen it. Uh, it became almost a staple in every requirement for every project. That's the accessible equipment. That's the accessible equipment. Yeah, the accessible equipment. Uh, at that time, we released six different exercises for those in a wheelchair. Um, you have to remember that, uh, and, and still to this day, people do not understand then when you deal with people with mobility impairment, you have to consider what they're going through, not what the architect is thinking they might be. You need to get the input for those that are actually going to use the equipment to make sure that it's actually something that will be beneficial for the entire community, especially for those who propel manual wheelchairs. So um, we partner with uh, a variety of organizations, and we have our own advisor that... Uh, as being a spokeswoman for um, on accessibility for a very long time. And her name is Jennifer French. And she uh, partnered with us to make sure that we do it right. And she actually uses the equipment in open spaces right where she lives. Fast forward, um, in one of the occasions that we met, um, we asked her, what else are we missing? What other exercises are so important for those that propel many wheelchairs? And you have to remember, people in wheelchair for a variety of reasons. Um, some can move a little bit or get out of the chair. Some prefer not to. And um, I, uh, one time I was at the gym and a gentleman next to me was um, in a wheelchair. I asked him to join me to visit one of the parks and get his feedback. 
So some units, it was very comfortable transferring out. Of course, the units that the designate for those in the wheelchair was used right away. That's uh, a given. But it was interesting to see that even fit uh, individuals may be reluctant to part from their chair and move on to uh, another platform for a variety of reasons. And if they don't feel comfortable doing it, they will not use it. So creating a um, an area that is designated to those who propel men in wheelchairs and creating an inclusive area where they can exercise next to their friends and family, making them part of the community was a top priority for us for over a decade. And um, then we ask, what else can we do? What other exercise we offer that... Uh, and the, one of the uh, the feedback we got was one of the most important muscles that are used are the triceps. And we created the uh, tricep press with adjustable resistance. And that had to be customized to fit a variety and sizes of, of wheelchairs. Uh, you have to remember, a wheelchair can come in a variety of shapes. And you can see it in our videos. It can be a person in a VA with oxygen tank in the back. It could be someone with a motorized chair. But there are a variety of them, and we need to come up with something that will cater to most of them. And that's our goal, and that's what we've done. And um, later on, we, we came up with um, um, different units that allow adjustable resistance where the, the user can adjust the resistance and customize the workout. Even one unit for stretching. People don't think about it, that the person in the wheelchair do need to, do need to stretch as well, and uh, we have even a video clip of that um, in one of our, um, on our website. So accommodating those with mobility impairment, uh, those who propel when manual wheelchair, is so important. And it's so important to think about it that even the parking lot will have a designated parking spots for those um, with uh, some sort of disabilities. And creating something that offer an amenity that caters to everyone, both the those uh, that are in the wheelchair for whatever reason and the rest of the community, creating a wholesome offering for the entire community nationwide. And designers, architects, uh, park and rec directors, all of them recognize the importance of it, and it became a staple everywhere. So uh, that's in a nutshell where we had. We, after that, of course, uh, came the CrossFit rigs that... Uh, we customized to the need of every project, uh, and then came the Nija courses that you saw at the uh, last conference at NRPA, offering something for everybody. The The need with the Nija specifically was to cater something for the teenagers. If you think about it, and, and you attended the NRPA just, just past a uh, couple weeks ago, and um, most of the stuff you see caters to little children. Mm-hmm. When you go to the parking rec, the first thing you think of is a playground. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be a playground over there for the kids? But the playgrounds are good only until a very young age. Teenagers don't use the playgrounds anymore. And if they're not into some sort of sports, they will have nothing to do in a park. I mean, yeah, you can pick up a basketball and shoot a few hoops here and there. But um, any other sports, you'll have to have a team. So having a ninja course that, that can be used in any way you want, offer something for the teenagers. So our goal is to create something that is inclusive of everybody, create a destination for the community. And that's what we've been doing for a long time. And this is exactly where I came in 
to the whole uh, existence of these facilities is the stuff you're talking about, the pull-up bar, the balance beam along the trail. Yeah. As a as an athletic young teenager training for swimming and cycling, I often did cross country, and that, that those equipments were were on that trail. And I recognized uh, that there were only a limited number of people that would be interested or able sure. to use that equipment, even at that young age of 16, 17 years old, and wondered if there was more. And it wasn't really until uh, my exposure in parks and recreation, beginning about seven years ago as a commissioner. Uh, in California, in Parks and Rec, that they started talking about all of these products uh, that can be out there, all of these great athletic uh, equipment uh, that can be utilized in a way that would allow people with disabilities uh, to be able to utilize that equipment as well. And I think it is incredibly important that Greenfields has been a leader in this area. I hope that that's where you guys are continuing to put your focus. But I got to tell you, you know, you had that ninja uh, set up out there at NRPA and, you know, both my, uh, my, uh, uh, director and myself that were there, uh, Matt Rosebrock looked at that thing. Like, I don't know, like at, at our age, should we really be taking that kind of risk? But man, there's a lot of folks out there that are probably really enjoying that piece of equipment. Am I right? It's true. Absolutely. People love it. Uh, it's great to feel, um, like a kid again. Uh, people forget that, uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, slogans out there, but it's true. If you continue to play, if you continue to move, you feel good about yourself. You know, case in point, no one ever regretted the fact that they worked out. No right. one ever. Right. And said, oh, I should not have gone to the gym today. Oh, I should not have run today. No one ever said that. People say, I wish I did work out today. I wish I had time to do a little bit more. But no one ever regret the fact that they work out. It doesn't matter what age and what you do, as long as you keep on moving. And that's true also for the aging population. It's really important that they keep on moving, that they don't stay sedentary. Now, you have all those uh, retirement uh, uh, villages across the country that uh, um, whether it's assistant living or um, um, different variety of this, and um, they may have a gym. They may have an indoor gym, but they don't like to go there. Seniors prefer to be outside, especially if the weather permits it. And for the most part, um, where their retirement facilities are, people do go outside and they do spend time outside. And if they have this amenity too, that keeps them moving um, at at a different stage of of their life, it's so important. Uh, We had the pleasure of actually visiting one of those facilities lately and had a chance to talk to one of the um, staff members. And the most important thing when it comes to the aging population is to prevent the fall. Uh, we all know what happens to our parents or grandparents with the moment they fall. I mean, it, it's it's terrible. It's the beginning of the end. Oh, yeah. A broken hip is a, is a very, very difficult injury to come back from. Absolutely. So um, in a conversation with them, uh, there was a 93-year-old gentleman that told us that uh, because of COVID, uh, that happened to be in, uh, in in Florida. He used to go to visit uh, doctors in um, before COVID. He used to visit doctors regularly in Miami. But uh, during COVID, he did not travel that far. In the meantime, he continued to work out. And when he got stronger, and eventually when it was permitted for him to go to visit the doctors, they were surprised that the guy actually got stronger and healthier was able to move and live life. So moving and exercising 
to one degree or another is so important in every stage of our lives. And it doesn't matter where you are and what you do. You need to take the time to do it. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's interesting as a you know, as a uh, a differently abled person myself, uh, below knee amputee, finding you know uh, safe and healthy ways to stay active, I think is important. And I know with all the injuries I've sustained in my life, as I get older, there's going to be more challenges to that. Really? I just love the idea that Greenfields and and companies like Greenfields Outdoor Fitness are on top of this um, and working on new products and services that will will grow along with an aging population. Um, so accessibility of your equipment was one area that we really met eye to eye on when we began talking about this relationship between Greenfields and NAPF. The other one was your profound experience in the area of park foundations. Can you talk a little bit about that now? Having a, this is so important. Um, one of the challenges that park directors are faced on a daily basis is cutting through the red, the red tape. The, the The park staff, the, the park directors are in essence stuck between the rock and the hard place. On one hand, they have to serve the communities. On the other hand, they have to communicate the work under the direction of, of the politicians. And their goal is to provide the best community service to the, the community or the city or the residential area, whichever they're at. And getting stuff done is so difficult. And often it's not about money. It's about just getting it done. So over the course of uh, the last two decades almost, um, we worked with a variety of foundations, nonprofit organizations, that their sole purpose was to help communities get stuff done. And I have countless of, of experiences that I would like to share just a few of them. So obviously, the the way it works is very simple. And, and some people are missing that goal. There must be a partnership between the leadership within the park organization. That would be the park director, the commissioner, whichever that is, and the executive director of the foundation. Mm -hmm. And they need to see eye to eye as to what is the role of the Park Foundation? This is not just a nonprofit organization that's going to raise money for something. The goal is to us, the purpose is to create something, create a, a project or multiple projects that is, okay, we are going towards doing this. And the foundation raises the funds for that fund, a donor, whichever that is. And the park director or the commissioner, whichever that is, basically gives them the power to negotiate the best pricing that will be tax exempt as well and mm -hmm. give him the the notice to proceed or or uh, whichever is uh, the legal term in that particular location to actually execute a prop a project on public grounds and that's the key the key is to see that the foundation will help the the park and rec department to achieve that goal whether it's a senior center where it's uh, adding uh, um, accessible units to something that's already there or a whole master plan. And this is so important. And I do, I believe that most cities do not have enough um, either knowledge or the um, um, partnership in place that will allow them to do that. You know, it's interesting you should bring that up because the one of the major pieces of documentation between a 
park agency and a park foundation that we found that increases that likelihood of success is the memo of understanding. And that, that MOU yeah. is the document that talks that codifies that relationship that you're talking about. Right. So I've seen, ex- and I'm, I'm going to share some examples. Um, it, I don't know if it will be appropriate to mention the exact uh, city or state, but there are friends of the park without giving the names yes. um, where the group of retirees um, in the North uh, East uh, got together to build an outdoor fitness, two of them actually, um, out on the outskirts of the playground in the park. They raised the funds. They got permission from the director. They worked with us hand in hand to do the design. They unloaded the trucks when they arrived. They poured the concrete and did all the installation themselves. Mm-hmm. That is the epitome of supporting the local park uh, department. Absolutely. Um, there are other examples where uh, the executive director of the Park Foundation works hand in hand with the director on various projects. They actually have um, uh, a strategic uh, planning and they say, okay, we're going to do this here, we're going to do this here. That uh, executive director raised the funds, whether it's going to be banks, whether it's hospitals, uh, uh, sports team, whichever that is. Uh, there are so many organizations out there. They have a community outreach program. They have their own foundation that helps. Uh, we work with sports team to bring this amenity to schools. So there are so many ways to do it. And you just need to have the understanding that the foundation is here to work hand in hand with the the parks department. And their goal is to see through by making it easy for the parks department to get stuff done. And that's the purpose of it. So it's not always building something. It could be increasing awareness. It's partnership in one way or another, programming. Uh, there's so park, many park cleanup, trail building. I mean, there's all kinds of places. So many where things. Yeah. And we work with uh, different foundations. Those who want us, we work with them all over the country. And we've done beautiful projects that we are very proud of. I don't want to name one over the other. I just, it will not be professional. But the bottom line is that um, the foundation can do so much for the parks. And I think it's crucial. That's why we jumped in to support you. And I believe that this program is is essential to share with new executive directors that are starting or building a foundation. I walk to cities and I ask them, guys, do you have a foundation that we can work with? Because, you know, the 10% of what the budget is will go to just to pay taxes. Yep. It's a yeah. lot. Your your analysis, your analysis of that relationship is so right on point and follows what NAPF's you know, nine-year trek right now has concluded is if you want to have a successful park foundation, there has to be that relationship uh, between the park foundation and the park agency. Just to remind everyone out there, that's this is the type of work that the NAPF does. We have many cases that we can show you uh, where we can even be specific with those agencies and foundations um, where we have helped create that relationship. We're I can't believe it. We're already coming to the end of our time together, Sam, I told you this goes by really fast. It does. I, I want to take the opportunity again to thank Sam Mendelson, uh, Greenfield's Outdoor Fitness, as a strategic partner of the NAPF. 
working together uh, to bring uh, clarity and understanding about the accessible line of products that Greenfields has, as well as the importance of that Park Foundation agency relationship. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. And thanks for being uh, joining us today on The Foundation. Thanks for tuning into The Foundation, a Parks People podcast. To not miss an episode of The Foundation, subscribe to our YouTube channel. The Foundation is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other popular podcast platforms. Thank you.